You are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Life Community Church. My name is Adam. I fill in sometimes here. Uh, Glad you're all here. We are a church for the city, uh, seeking, making much of the name of Christ. Um, we try to do this in four ways. Practice love with everyone always. Give more than makes sense. Chase after the likeness of Christ in every corner of our lives. And anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's word. Um, I have a couple of announcements we want to make sure draw your attention to today. Um, actually, not yet. First, we have a little connection card thing there. Look at me remembering stuff. Good job, me. Uh, at the bottom of your bulletin, there's a connection card. If you have any prayer requests or any comments, uh, please fill that out. Stick it in uh, the offering box on your way out today, and somebody will get back with you and answer those questions to the best of their abilities. Now we have a couple of announcements to draw your attention to. Come up soon on only three weeks, we have a bowling party uh, that is at the bowling alley here in town. It's uh, what I hear a lot of fun. Uh, we did not make it last time because we went to sign up too late. So don't be like the carols, and don't wait until it's too late to sign up, okay? Sign up now, because uh, it's a limited space available. Also, the second Saturday of every month, I have a men's Bible study that meets here in the morning, men's breakfast. Um, if you're a man, you're welcome to join in that. So uh, those are all the announcements that we have. So we are continuing in Job, week seven of Job, and it is... It's an easy book, just like a super easy book to understand. I mean, you read it, and it just it all makes sense, and no, no, that's not, that's not true. That's not, that's actually not actually how it works at all. It's, it's just a little bit complicated, just a little bit complex. It's uh, as complex as humanity itself. Like, people are very complex. If you've worked with people or spent time with people for more than five minutes, which I hope all of you have, um, because you're here today, so, I mean, that would, that would classify as that. You know that, that people are incredibly complex. They're, they're odd. You think you have them figured out, and then you blink, and then you don't have it fit, figured out anymore. Like any of you who have raised kids or are currently raising kids, you get one stage of life, and you're like, I'm a good parent. Like, I know, I know how to parent. I know what's going on. And then you turn around, and then you turn back around, and you look at your kids, and they're a different person. Like, who is this? Like, I don't know how to deal with this. Teenagers? What? How do you, how do you even do that? Like, it's very difficult. Um, but lots of things change in life, right? That's kind of the nature of life in a lot of ways. A few things have changed in my life um, over the years, one of which being my hair. Uh, it once started out and it was black at one time in my life, and then it, it slowly became just like a little bit of salt around the edges and then a little bit of salt and pepper, and now it's, it's mostly just salt and just a, a little bit of pepper now. Uh, that's changed over the years. That's been a fun one. Um, another thing that's changed has been my taste in food. Um, 
things I enjoy to eat have, has changed too. And I can, I can date those changes uh, back to July 24th, 2004, when I got married. Um, that was when my, when my taste of food slowly started to change. Uh, I, was, I was forced to eat things like rice. Uh, up until that point, I didn't know I liked rice. I like rice. I love rice. Uh, lima beans. I didn't know I liked those. Actually, I do. I love lima beans. Um, so that's worked out well. Uh, but those things change. But there are some things in life that don't change, right? One of which being wisdom. What's well, actually the right way to live our life. That doesn't change. Maybe we think it does. Maybe sometimes we act like it does. But God's word, God's uh, identity as being the source of wisdom, that doesn't change. And that's part of what I think Job is wrestling with here in these chapters. In Job chapter 28, verses 31, you see this just kind of struggling with this thing that Job is going through. That's the thing about calamity or chaos or just difficult times in our life like Job has experienced. They cause you to kind of step back every once in a while and say, okay, what's actually going on here in my life? How have I actually been living? And while Job's friends weren't exactly encouraging, uh, they did force Job to kind of into a bit of harsh self-reflection. Very harsh self-reflection at times. But Job is wrestling with some things here that I think can be applicable to all of us. Where does wisdom come from? What is wisdom? And then how do we actually live with wisdom? How do we actually discover wisdom? How do we find wisdom. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Job chapter 28, verses 1 through 6, as we'll start. We'll start without, with a couple of places where we often seek for wisdom in our own lives. Verse 1 of Job 28 says this, Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth, and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out the farthest limit. With ore and gloom and deep darkness, he opens shafts in a valley and away from where anyone lives. They have forgotten travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are a place of sapphires and it has dust of gold. Now to us, the idea of thinking we can dig into the earth and take metal from it, take things from it, and then boil those things down and make them useful to our lives, yes. Like, people have been doing that for a very, very long time. But remember, Job was a very, very old book, right? So in some sense, this is like the limits of technology of his day. Like, people can dig into the dirt and they find these things and they turn it into other things. Phenomenal stuff. Like, that's... Technology has changed quite a bit over the years. I don't know if you've noticed that at all, um, but it's gone quite rapidly. Also, like to where now things, I don't even understand it. Like I was trying to operate somebody else's cell phone the other day, and I think of myself as somebody who's somewhat technologically able. I don't know if that's a proper thing to say or not doesn't matter. I don't know how to speak. Um, everybody knows that anyways. Anyways, uh, I like to think of myself as somebody who's able to handle technology. And I picked up their phone. I was like, ah, ah, 
I don't know how to work this. Like, how do, I, how do I call people? What's going on here? It's, it's gone very, very rapidly, hasn't it? And that, at times, is something that we can place our trust in, something that we can maybe even place our hope in, right? Think about if you have to go someplace that you don't know how to get there, how many of us ask somebody else? Maybe some of us do. And then sometimes I do, and they start telling me things, and my mind starts to kind of glaze over, like, ah, I don't really know what you're talking about. I'll look it up on my phone, right? But that's not a source of technology that can be trusted all the time because things change. Uh, for example, I went and did this retreat camp thing up in northern Michigan. Not the UP, northern Michigan, but the other side of northern Michigan. And I came up to a, a T in the road, right? And I was following my GPS as to how to get to this camp, and I could either... Sorry. Anyways, I could either turn right or I could turn left. Those were my only two options because there was a lake about 10 feet in front of me. And my GPS said, go straight. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I'm going to go ahead and turn. Like, like, we can't trust that thing because it changes, right? We think we know what it is in one moment, and then the next thing we do, we turn around, and it's not the same thing anymore. It's extremely, extremely temporary. It can't be trusted in the long term. And that's the thing that we do. We try to place our hope for wisdom, or try to find the source of wisdom in things that are temporary. Like Solomon said, they're here one moment and then gone the next. We try to look in those things for wisdom. And then when they don't come through for us because they change, that's what happens. It doesn't feel real great. It causes some disease in our life, some chaos in our lives. Because the thing that we thought we could trust in is gone. It's not, it's not there anymore. It's different. It's just like if I would have driven straight into that lake. It would have really ruined my week. Um, we can't trust in those things because they're temporary. So where else? Where else do we try to find wisdom? Technological advances, those can't be trusted. In verse 12 of chapter 28, we see Job rattle off a few other places. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It's not something you can purchase. You can't go out and, and buy wisdom from somebody else. It's not found in the sea. And let's get this idea of the sea and the deep kind of talking to each other. Like, you guys know where to find wisdom? Like, I can't. I thought it was beside the milk, but now I can't find it. Like, no, I, I don't know where wisdom is. And mankind, in all of our accomplishments, that we've made in the history of humanity, it's, wisdom doesn't rest in us. It's not fully ours to define. And perhaps the thing, that's the thing that causes the most chaos in our lives, is when we start to look at ourselves as the only source of wisdom, as the true source of wisdom. Because that, we change too. I mentioned my hair changing. That's not the only thing that's changed about me over the years. And hopefully I've, I've grown in wisdom, but view the world maybe a little bit differently than I used to. Maybe with age, a little bit more wisdom has come. Right? 
But we try to trust in these things when we try to anchor ourselves to this idea of man-made wisdom. But because it's man-made and humanity is incredibly complex and changes all the time, that can't be trusted in the long term either. That's going to change eventually also. And if you look at it through history, the times when civilizations have placed their trust in what man determines to be as the source of wisdom, the ultimate decision as to what is right and what is wrong, things don't go well for those societies very long. It just, it just doesn't last because it's not sustainable. We can't trust fully in ourselves as a source of wisdom because that's, that's not going to work long term either. So it's not in our technological advances. It's not in the fancy things that we have that make our lives just a little bit easier. It's not in those things. I can't find it in the sea. I can't find it in the deep. I can't find it alone by myself walking through the woods. It's not, it's not there. I can't place my trust fully in myself as the source of wisdom and say, okay, I've got everything figured out in my life. Because that always works well. <laughs> the moment you think you have everything figured out in life... We'll talk about that in a minute with Job. But that's not the ultimate source of wisdom. And I can't buy it. I can't pay somebody to drop wisdom upon me so that I know everything that they know. And I, then, then I have wisdom. And then I can sell it to other people. It's not, it's not the way it works. It doesn't last. So is it hopeless? I don't think so. We'll go on down. Job chapter 28. Verses 20 and 22, a couple more places where sometimes we look for wisdom. Job says this, From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all the living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abandoned in death, say, We have heard a rumor of it with our ears. It's not in death. The unbeatable force of life. It's not there. That word abandoned uh, in the Hebrew is sometimes maybe determine what Translation of the Bible you're using today it may say destruction. Uh, it's one of those strange words that's in the book of Job that it's really kind of hard to figure out what it's talking about. Um, it's kind of a, a place of chaos and just not goodness, right? It's not there. Wisdom's not there. So again, where is wisdom? In verse 23, Job goes on to say this. God understands the ways to it. He knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. He gave to the wind its weight and apportioned to the waters by measure when he made a decree for the rain and a way for lightning of the thunder. Then he saw it and he declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. So where do, we, where do we find wisdom? Not in ourselves, not in our things, but in God. That's where we can find wisdom. We can anchor ourselves to the unshakable truth of God's word. That's where wisdom lies. That's the only spot we're going to find it. A few things here. That, that word fear. Sometimes when we look at that, Am I supposed to be like terrified of God and like run from him like he's like a, a brutal dictator? I don't think that's what it's saying. For a few reasons, I don't think that's why it, that's what it's saying. But fear is in, 
I have deep reverence, like a deep honor, because this is the thing that I can tie my life to. And then I can turn away from evil. I think a, maybe a good working definition would be this. To know God, to actually know God, to try to understand who he is. He's not fully understandable, but, but to try to understand who he is. And then to adjust our lives in accordance to that. Not try to adjust our knowledge of God to our lives, but try to adjust our lives to our knowledge of God. Because that's the thing that we can actually anchor ourselves in. That's the thing that we can actually trust in. And that's really hard to understand. There's a great passage in in Galatians where Paul is talking to the church in Galatia. And he's, he's recounting a prayer that he prays for them. He's talking about the unshakable, the unknowable, the unimaginable awesomeness of God and everything that he is and is beyond human understanding. But then he goes on to say, but I pray that you would know it better. Like it's this thing that we can't fully grasp with our minds because our minds are finite and not, can't grasp everything. Like our head would explode, which sounds like a bad day. It just doesn't sound good. But like But Paul's still praying, man, I wish you guys would know this better. I'm asking God to reveal more of himself to you so that you can know him a little bit better. And I think that's a good working definition of what wisdom is, is to have a knowledge of who God is, to understand who God is, and then to actually adjust our lives to that, to actually try to live in a way that that honors that, to pursue Christ in every corner of our lives. What would that actually look like? How much differently would that change the way we interacted with people? How much differently would that change the way we interacted with ourselves, with the way we thought about ourselves, with the way we trusted in ourselves or trusted in God more? How much differently would our lives work? Look, if we did that. But then, how do we even get to that place? And even coming back to this question of what is going on with Job? Like, why are these things happening to him? Like, there is just complete and utter destruction all around him. Like, when he's talking about abandon and death, destruction and death, they've only heard a rumor of it. Like, I would imagine there's a part of Job that might have thought to himself, those two things, those things feel very real to me. Like, if you're sitting with sores all over your body in wishing that you had never been born, death doesn't seem like something that's far off in that moment. So so what is going on in his life? And then how do we even get wisdom? In the New Testament, James tells us that if anyone is lacking wisdom, then we should ask our gracious Heavenly Father, who will give it to us. He'll give us wisdom. How does he do that? Like, does he, like, wrap it up, like, in, in a bow, with a box, like... I'd imagine it's red and green. I don't know why. That's the picture that I have in my head because at Christmas we celebrate Jesus, whatever. Okay, so, and then, like, and then he gives us that box and then we open it like, oh, look, it's wisdom, what I've always wanted. And then and we put it off to the side and then we play with the box because we're still kind of like kids. Um, that was a Christmas joke and it's February. It's March, it's March. It's not even February anymore. I'm terrible at this stuff. Anyways, <clears throat> How does God even give us wisdom? How do we gain understanding in our lives? It's a great question. I don't fully know it. But I think Job maybe gives us some insight into how that might work. So we're going to keep going in Job because we're covering 29, or 28, 29, and 31. 
Job 29, and this is Job's uh, last big speech that he gives. Um, And Job 29 basically gives us a better idea of who Job is. Right? We learned a little bit about him in the beginning in Job chapter 1 and 2, and then learning some more about Job from his own perspective. And I won't read it all to you, um, but I'll summarize it with this. Job's a really good dude. Like, like if you're looking at Job's life and looking for somebody to nominate for citizen of the year, it's probably Job. Like, if you're starting a nonprofit organization and you want somebody to be the chairman of your board and represent your organization well and provide wise guidance, it's probably Job. Like, if you want somebody to babysit your kids and teach them good things, it's probably Job. He's probably too busy for that because he's got so many other things going on. But like, if you read through chapter 29 in particular, like you get the idea that he's the guy who's at the volunteer charity things. He's donating to the auction. He's volunteering at the auction. He's at the Boys and Girls Club. He's volunteering at the school. Like he's doing all these, he's on city council. He is city council. Like he, he's just this amazing man in the community who's doing some really, really good work. And again, where's wisdom in that? Because I think our tendency is, is when we meet people like that, or when we start to view ourselves in that way, as we're that good dude or dudette, or that good person who's doing good things in the community, we start to think to ourselves, yeah, I am pretty wise. Like, look at what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm not saying Job has done that in his life. I'm not saying that's why what happened to Job, what happened to Job. That's not trying to make that implication whatsoever. But I know from my own life, there are times when you see a little bit of success in your life. Things are going pretty well. You have a, go a whole day without your kids trying to fight anybody. You start to think to yourself, yeah, I'm pretty wise, aren't I? Yeah, I'm pretty good. What does that say about me that it takes just one day where my kids aren't trying to fight somebody that I feel like I'm feeling pretty wise? Um, but it's easy to fall into that, into what Isaiah called people who are wise in their own eyes. So a little better idea of Job, who he is. Job chapter 29, verses 21 through 23. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After I spoke, they did not speak again. And my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain. And they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. Wow. Like, I don't know about you, but I've never had anybody uh, wait for me as for the rain. They opened their mouths as for the spring rain. (laughs) But every parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's what we wish for our kids, just... Long to hang on every word of my wisdom, son and daughter. Job was respected. And again, for good reason. He did good things in the community. He did good things for people. And again, it would be really easy to fall into this trap of, I'm wise. It would be really easy to look at Job and say, he's successful, therefore he must be wise. Because it's another equation that we make in our lives, isn't it? People are doing well in their life, in the external things. 
The picture they paint to everybody else looks really, really good. And it's really easy to look at that person and say, yes, they have it all together. They must have wisdom. Life is going well for them. But as we see with Job, all of that changed really quick. In a matter of moments, he got news that changed his life forever. Unbearable news that any of us could possibly even imagine. Job goes, after, goes from defeat to defeat to defeat. From chaos into more chaos into more chaos. And look at how quickly the perception of the community changed of him. In Job chapter 30, verse 1, it says, But now they laugh at me. Men are younger than I. Men who are younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained. They set with dogs of my flock. The people who I disdained, I didn't care for them. They didn't have wisdom. They weren't doing the things I was doing. Now they laugh at me. Job goes from being this man whose people waited on every word that he spoke because there was going to be some nugget of truth in it to they laugh at him when he speaks. Job's a big dummy head now, right? But also through that, you see what he said in chapter 28. Fear of the Lord. That's what wisdom is. And to turn away from evil. That's what wisdom is. To base my life, to try to understand who God is. To base my life on that. And then adjust my life into that. To try to fit into that rather than trying to fit God into my life. I want to fit my life into who God is. That, that's where wisdom is. That's the place that we can actually rest. Because that wisdom, that wisdom doesn't change. Right? Like if my foundation is God's word and I'm resting completely and totally in that as much as is humanly possible and everything over here in my life starts to get kind of shaky and things don't go well relationships get hard kids do kid things work it becomes difficult and I start to experience some things that look like failure to everybody else if I'm still resting in this then I can still have peace over here Because these things aren't my foundation. The external factors of my life, those aren't the things that I'm placing my trust in. I'm placing my trust in God. Because that doesn't change. That's the source of wisdom that no matter what happens, thousands of years from now, so long as Jesus doesn't come back, I can still trust in that truth. Walk out of here today and receive terrible news. I can still trust in that truth. And I wonder if maybe Job learned that a little bit better through all of this. We never get a clear answer as to why what happened to Job happened to Job. Like, wouldn't that be nice Like to have, like, again, have it all wrapped up in a tidy little bow and say, here's the answer to everything. Like everything you've ever wondered, everything that you've ever questioned, here's all the answers, but we don't always get those answers, do we? And I wonder if maybe through all this, again, we don't know why, but I wonder if maybe Job learned a little bit more about who God was through all this. I wonder if Job learned a little bit more about what it meant to completely and totally trust in him. Because I don't know if you've experienced this in your life. I'm I'm sure you have. That those times that feel like they're shaking us, 
those times that feel like our life is most chaotic, when we come through on the other side of those things, we usually know just a little bit more about God than what we did before. Because those moments have a tendency to kind of remind us that those things can't be trusted in. God can. God I can rest in. God I can trust in. Regardless of what else is going on around me, that I can continue to place my hope and my trust. So, that's my hope for all of us today. And I think that's part of what Job is wrestling in this. Where does wisdom come from? What is wisdom? How do I find it? Wisdom is trusting in God. Anchoring ourselves to his truth. And then adjusting our lives accordingly. And then resting in that. I'll pray. Dear God, I thank you for our time today. Thank you for the time that we could spend in your word. And God, I just pray that through everything that was said here today, God, I pray that you were glorified. God, I pray that we would all walk away here today a little more willing to trust in you. God, I just pray that throughout this week, regardless of what happens, that you continue to show us ways to just place our trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen.